0: I'm glad you're here today, and uh, there is something better for you, and that something better comes from following Jesus Christ as the leader, as the Lord of your life. In Celebrate Recovery, we talk about following Jesus Christ and finding victory over our hurts, over our habits, and over our hang-ups. And so I would invite you to celebrate recovery. And if you haven't read about it, you can read about it in your handout that you received this morning. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to open them to Luke, the 6th chapter. Luke, the 6th chapter. If you have the New Testaments that, that are out on the table, then turn to page 54. Let me apologize. It's cold in here, and you've got to get used to that, okay? They've been working hard, so I'm sure they've kicked our air conditioner up. It's always cool in the cafeteria. You might want to remember to bring a, a light hoodie or a a, a light jacket because it may be cold now that school's getting back into session and uh, we'll find out. Last year they sort of turned the air down in this room and it wasn't so cold, but uh, sorry about that, okay? After this service is over, you can just be sure you're part of the frozen chosen, okay? God's frozen chosen because you will be cold. I can sort of fill it in my fingertips. Somebody told me earlier, said to me, you know what would be good when we get a permanent facility is we can con- control the environment. And then I said, yeah, well, then our people fuss at us, okay? Because it won't be right for them. And, uh, but this is chilly, and I'm sorry for that, okay? And uh, if it wasn't embarrassing, I'd give you my shirt, but that'd be embarrassing to both you and me. So I'll keep it on, save us that embarrassment, okay? Listen. I am glad you're here, okay? I am so glad you're here, and I want you to understand, you are a part of Connection's vision. We are what we are because we make ourselves available in what God wants us to do. And Connection is a vision that we believe God wants here in Jefferson County and spreading out into Wayne County and on, okay? And we are a different church, we are not like many other churches. Now look, many churches are putting drums on the platform, they're putting keyboards, they're putting guitars, but I'm telling you, they are not missional. They are not seeking to teach their people to be missional where they live, you know, in their families. They're not teaching them to be missional where they work, where they go to school, where they play. And whenever I talk about missional, I'm talking about Jesus living through you in your family. Okay? Jesus living through you where you work. Jesus living through you where you go to school. Jesus living through you where you play. Now, how do we say, how does Jesus live through us? That's why we say in our existence statement on the front of the the message map or the worship handout you're given. By living and loving like Jesus. And when we're here together, that's what we talk about. We talk about His words and what He wants for our lives. And it's His words, listen, it's His words that we learn to follow. And when we do, we're living and loving like Him. I don't know if you've ever had somebody say, seen somebody say this, or maybe somebody said, you're just like your grandpa. I mean, you talk just like your grandpa. You act just like your grandpa or your mom or your dad. You see, the life that is in Jesus is the life God wants in us. And people had trouble understanding what God was like. And God has had churches here. They were just called in the Old Testament the temple and synagogues. God has had His churches here on this earth. But people get so caught up in religion, the traditions and the rules and the regulations, that they don't show God's love through their life and through their actions. And so Jesus came. And Jesus showed us what God is like. Some of His closest followers would say to Him, we don't know what God's like. How do we know what God's like? And Jesus would say, you know me, don't you? Look at me. You see me, you see God. You know me, you know God. Now you're not Jesus and we're not divine, but we are the people He lives through. Folks who call Him Christ, Lord, leader of our lives. I do believe. I do believe most people want to be good, but the problem is sin has just destroyed our ability to be good, and sin destroys everything around us, our marriages, our families, where we work, and sin is so rampant we don't trust anything anymore. And if we are going to find that goodness that God intended when he created us, it's got to be that we see Jesus, we hear Jesus, we live like Jesus, we love like Jesus. That's why what we're doing is looking at Luke's Gospel, the series I call Checking Out Jesus, Luke's Gospel, Checking Out Jesus. And we're seeing what Luke tells us about Jesus Christ. And what he tells us Jesus said and Jesus did. And we're learning some things for our lives. And I'm glad you're here this morning. And you're here because God wants you here this morning. I believe that. I I was singing over there, and I kept looking over the crowd. I was trying to see, who is it God wants? In my prayer time, I was praying, God, bring those people who need to hear what's going to be said today. Because what's going to be said today are the words of Jesus. And I think they will revolutionize any life that will choose to live by them. If you have your, your handout, I'd like you to turn to the page that has blanks on it. It's got the date, August the 5th, and it's, it's got our sermon notes, and I have that there so that you can write down, fill in some of these blanks, but that later you can look at the scripture that's listed there, and you can maybe do a little devotion and think more serious about some of these things that Jesus is going to say and that we're going to learn this morning, and if you fill in your blanks that you'll come to understand a little better. But look at the first blank. Before I even get started, I said, I believe you're here because God wants you here. Look what it says. God loves you too much. Let's put it on the screen. God loves you too much. The first blank. God loves you too much. Let's let's just, I'll give it to you. Maybe it's not there. God loves you too much to leave you alone. He cares about you. Now, I want to start with that because I want to say this. God pursues you. He pursues you. He cares about you and He doesn't leave you alone. You've rejected Him in your past. You have turned from Him in your past. You have said no God, no Jesus, no church, no Bible, no prayer. And God still pursues you and He knocks on your life's door. He seeks to get you back where he can talk to you and you're here this morning because God cares for you and he's pursuing you and he's pursuing you because he wants to bring about a difference in your life he knows you want to be good he knows you don't want to be what happened when you were a child he knows you don't want to be what maybe character defects that your upbringing has brought into your life he knows you don't want to be what maybe the world is thrown on your shoulders he knows you don't want to be that way but you want to be good as God intended for you to be good. But you see, all this sin in our, our lives and around us has just so corrupted us, and it's destroying us. And God wants you, and He's pursuing you. And I'm telling you this morning, everything I say is just for you. I believe that. Now last week, in the 6th chapter of Luke, we looked at verse 27 and 28. And those verses are a part of Jesus' sermon that He's giving here. If you know anything about the Bible, you might have heard it referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus said four things in verse 27 and 28. I listed them there in your message map. Just look at them. He said, Love your enemies... Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse. And remember I told you the Greek word means doom you. They just want to doom your success in whatever it is. And pray for those who hurt you. Now listen, we sang a song. We sang a song that says you make everything work for my good. And I'm going to tell you some of you are saying when you see it, but it doesn't work out for my good. You do those four things, and God will work for your good. Those are what Jesus tells us, because he wants to bring transformation into our lives by changing the way our, we think. And this world doesn't say, love your enemies. This world says, hate your enemies. Jesus says, love your enemies. This world doesn't say, do good for people who hate you. This world says, don't do good for people to hate you. But Jesus says, do good for you to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. In that song that we sang that said all things work together for good, we talked about the pain comes in the night, but joy comes in the morning. That's more than just tonight and tomorrow. God knows the pain in your heart. He knows the pain in your mind. But if we listen to the words of Jesus, if we follow the words of Jesus, the joy comes in the morning. We don't have to stay like we are. We don't have to stay in the state of hopelessness and uncertainty. Because we can know all things work together for our good. But if that's going to happen in our lives, then we must do the things Jesus says. Love your enemy, He starts out. Do good to those who hate you. See, He tells us this. He says, bless those who curse you, who just really want doom. I'm so glad that didn't work out for you. And He says, pray for those who hurt you. And see, this world doesn't work that way. But if you and I learn to work that way, joy will come in the morning. I've seen it in some of your lives because you're treating your family members different than they even deserve because of what they've done in the past in your life. But you're loving them. You're doing good to them. And I grant you, they don't deserve it. And the only reason you chose to do that is because you want to live and love like Jesus. See, you've got into that relationship with Him. And you get around people who know these things bring joy in the morning. You get in relationship with them and it becomes contagious. Now what we've got to be careful of. We've got to be careful that we don't say, but my ideas don't agree with those four statements. And we're going to look at some more in a little bit. My ideas don't agree with what Jesus says. And so we've got to decide, am I going to follow my ideas or am I going to follow the words of Jesus? See, we're all in relationship with ourselves. We've been that way for many years. But look at your life. Is joy coming in the morning? We need to get in relationship with the words of Jesus. We need to fight thinking we know better, and we need to agree with Him and then choose to live His way. You see, in the Old Testament... In the Old Testament, the people, God kept trying to reach the people, but they kept saying, we want to do it our way. And so God sent Isaiah, the prophet, because they were saying, why aren't things working out for us, God? We're your people. Why aren't things work? How come this is happening in our lives? This is not good. We love you. We're your people. Look on the screen. Look at Isaiah on the screen look what isaiah said verse 20 21 and then i want to read verse 24 you've got it written on your worship handout you can look at it later in your bible just for the sake of time look what god said to the people he said what sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil that dark is light and light is dark that bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter now stop for a minute don't go on you see what he's saying is you say you say this what is good is really bad. You say, you say as humans, what is bad is really good. Now think about that. Love your enemy. But you say, that's bad. I'm not going to love my enemy. See, God is telling them, you say what God says is not good. And what God says is not good because it's your idea. You say, no, that's, that's good or that's bad what God says. See, in the Old Testament, they had this problem. And God says, that just brings sorrow into your life. And that is what's happening in so many people's lives and families. Now he goes on. He says in 21, What sorrow to those who are wise in their own eyes and think themselves so clever? In other words, you're just convinced. Your way is the right way. God's way is the wrong way. Your ideas are the right way. God's ideas are the wrong way. Listen, you've lived for a few years. You've been around people. You know. And what sorrow is coming into your life. And then he says in 24, look at verse 24 on the screen. Therefore, just as, now this is the result of the kind of thinking that says I know better than God. What God says is good. You know, God says, you know, you shouldn't be doing that stuff. And you say, I can do that stuff if I want to. See, when you say what God says is not good and what God says we shouldn't be doing, you say, that is good to do. See, when you get it all confused, here's the result. Therefore, in our lives, just as fire licks up stubble and dry grass shrivels in the flame, so their roots will rot and their flowers wither. In other words, we know what that is. We've had dryness. If you took a match and you threw it into my yard... That that would just burn. Because the result of all that dry grass is that flame's going to spread. And he's saying in the life that says, you know, I know better than God. When trouble comes, it's like a fire. It It just rots your life. And nothing can bloom in your life that's good. And he says, for they have rejected the law of the Lord. They have despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Now think about that. They have despised God's Word. They have despised God. They're saying, I don't need to listen to God. What God says, I don't care. I despise Him. I despise His words. And here comes Jesus. Here comes Jesus. Because because religion, religion always corrupts. When you get into traditions and rules and regulations, it always does, folks. We have a great country. We started out, we, we were the first country, when, when, when our first president, George Washington, left office, and our second president, John Addis, Adams, became president. It's the first time in human history that any country of any size has ever had to change a leadership without the firing of some kind of weapon A peaceful change. We were a great country. And now, many of us don't even trust our president. We don't trust the people we elect to office. We don't even trust our own local sheriff. We we, we just don't trust people anymore. See? And what has happened is we have despised God. And that's what happens in that society. So I'm asking you this. Start working on Jesus' words in your marriage. Start working on Jesus' words in regards to your parents or your children. Start working on Jesus' words where you work. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who want to doom you, curse you. And and pray for those who hurt you. Now those are the first four things He said. He tells us a fifth thing. Look on your message map. He tells us, don't get caught up in retaliation. Now, I'm going to tell you, many of us know about retaliation. It's part of our family experience. Matter of fact, for some of us, it's a part of our married experience. And some of us have had multiple marriage experiences. See, we've had that. That doesn't mean we're terrible people. It means that we just haven't learned something. And sin just destroys us. And it destroys our relationships. So what do we do? Well, look at the fifth thing Jesus says is don't get caught up in retaliation. Look at the Luke chapter 6. Look at verse 29. If you have your Bibles open, I'm reading now the New Living Translation. It'll be a little bit different than King James or if you read out the New International Version. Okay, it's just easier to follow. Look on the screen if you don't have the Bible. Luke 6, verse 29. Jesus said, if someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. Now, folks, I'm just going to say it quickly because I don't have time. Jesus is not speaking Against defending yourself. He's not, that's not what this verse has to do. Jesus is speaking about an attitude of getting even. Jesus is saying, don't get caught up in the attitude of revenge. And folks, we've got a lot of people that are caught up in the attitude of revenge. And some sons will never have a relationship with their fathers, or some daughters will never have a relationship with their fathers. Some sons will never have a relationship with their mothers. Some daughters will never have a relationship with their mothers because they're caught in the attitude of retaliation. I just want you to understand, Jesus wants to bring transformation into your life and mine. To do that, He's got to change the way we think. We've got to start living His words. And so here He is, before all these people, on a mountaintop, or a side of a mountain, on a level area, it says. He's talking to him, so His voice can carry. And He gives the first four, and now He moves here. And He's saying, I don't want to get caught up in retaliation. And we've got to remember that. Because in this world, this world's always retaliating. You pull out in traffic, and you didn't happen to see that car, and that person's giving you the finger. They're retaliating. Or they're saying words, and you can read their lips, and they're cursing at you. And you say, well, they shouldn't do that. And they pull out on you, and you say, you idiot. Because, see, you're a Christian. You don't use profanity, you say. Of course, some of you do. You say, well, I won't say it, okay? And you wouldn't give the finger, but you're holding your fist down. You see, you know what retaliation is. Listen to what I read from Yahoo News dated May 1st, 2012, this year. A Polish woman is facing three years in prison after she removed all of her ex-boyfriend's teeth during, during dental surgery, just days after their breakup. I tried to be professional, she says, <coughs> excuse me, and detach myself from my emotions, and 34, told the Australian, Austrian Times. But when I saw him lying there, I just thought, what a bummer. (laughs) And decide to take out all his teeth. Marek, 45, reportedly showed up at Anna's dental office complaining of a toothache just days after he broke up with her. She then allegedly gave him a heavy dose of anesthetic, locked the door, and began removing all of his teeth one at a time. Anna then assured Marek, she had fixed his problem, but he might need to see a specialist. I didn't have any reason to doubt her. I mean, I thought she was a professional. Anna is currently being investigated for medical malpractice. Marek's his new girlfriend, the one for whom he left Anna, has now left him because of his toothless appearance. Now, folks, I read that and I thought, Boyfriend rips out girl's heart. And girl rips out boyfriend's teeth, ex-boyfriend's teeth. See, that's that's perfect context of the words Jesus is talking about. I just put it, don't get caught up in retaliation. It's gonna happen. Your face is gonna get slapped. Well, look at number six. I wish there was time. Each one of these could be a sermon. Look at number six, the next thing. Look on your message map. Give willingly. And as verse 29 goes on, it says, If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also, give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Now let me stop. This is instruction given in community. Okay, that's so important to understand. In community means you know people. See, there's some people you don't know, and they learn to con people. Jesus is talking to Jewish people who understand, stood in community, you should not pass up helping folks that you know. Okay? Now, now, I don't have time to explain that. Some of you may not like that, okay? But, but he's giving this instruction in the community. And what he's saying is, be generous. The community you're in should know you're generous. Listen, we know some of the tight people in our church, don't we? I mean, if you went out and got ice cream, they would sit there with a frown on their face until you buy them a coat, uh, an ice cream cone. They're just tight, see? Okay? He's saying, don't be tight. Be generous. In community, people ought to know you're always willing to give more than you ever receive. You're always willing to be that way. See? How people handle wealth and things, how people handle wealth, things, and other things, and we'll talk about that in a little bit because you don't get back to this giving stuff, tells whether they're living the words of Jesus. See, it's easy. I go to church, I read my Bible, and I pray, but you look at that person, and they're very Selfish. Jesus is saying here, the sixth thing, give willingly. Now look at number seven on your message map. Treat other people the way you want to be treated. Treat other people the way you want to be treated. And verse 31, it comes right there. We're just going right through the Scriptures. Jesus says this, do to others as you would like them to do to you. Now let me stop. Remember I told you, (coughs) excuse me, I told you that that you can read these words in Luke. I sat down last Sunday to do it again before I got up to preach and I told you it took about four minutes to read all of this sermon in Luke. These people have traveled for miles. They have traveled overnight. Jesus did not just talk to them for four minutes. Luke is just getting their summary of what Jesus said from someone or some of the people who were there. So I want you to understand, he probably would have elaborated on these things. Just like I'm trying to do with you. He probably would have gave you illustrations. We know he used illustrations when he taught people. But here he says, do to others as you would like them to do to you. In other words, treat other people as you want to be treated. Look, if you made a mistake in the past, and you're a parent, as the years go by, you hope your children will show you respect. And look past those mistakes. Because every parent makes mistakes. I only know one perfect parent. And that is God. And we would want people to overlook our past mistakes if they're our children. See? We make mistakes. If you messed up, as time passed, you'd want people to be willing to forgive you. You understand what I'm saying? If, if somewhere in your life your emotions got out of control and, oh, you're ashamed of how you acted, you'd want people to be patient and understanding with you, wouldn't you? See, I could go on and give you illustration for illustration. What he's trying to say is understand how you'd want people to treat you. That's how you're to treat them. That's how you're to treat them. That's what he's trying to say. And so that they would get the example, or they would get that understanding. He gives them an example. Look at the, the, the verse in verse 32. He says, here's, here's an example he gives. This is such an important thing. Treat other people as the way you want them to treat you. He says, if you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? For sinners love those who hate them. In other words, people of this world only love people who love them. People who listen to Jesus Choose to love people who don't love them. Some of you got ex-mates. They don't deserve anybody's love, the way they treat you, except that you're going to live like Jesus. Some of you work with folks, they don't deserve your love, except you're going to choose to live Jesus' words with them. He gives him another example. This is such an important part of this sermon. Look, the second example, verse 33. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get any credit? Even sinners do that much. In other words, people of the world do good to those who do good to them. In other words, you're willing to pick up your neighbor's garbage in his yard if it happens when the garbage man goes by and some falls on the ground because, you see, he picked up some of the garbage in your yard a few weeks ago. that fell. But that neighbor who wouldn't pick up anybody's garbage and he lets his garbage come into your yard, no way you're ever going to do anything good for him. See, the world does good for those who do good. Jesus is saying people who listen to him will choose to do good to people who do not do good to them. This is revolutionary, folks. But I want you to understand, if you will take a hold of his words and put them into your life, joy will come in the morning for you. And some of you know, mornings aren't joyful anymore. Your future doesn't look that bright for you. Not in relationships. And then he gives them a third example. Look what he says in 34. He says, and if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get any credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. And all he's trying to say is, people of the world... People of the world will not allow themselves to be taken advantage of. But people who listen to Jesus will always be open to be taken advantage of. Now, I want to tell you some things. But there's not time. He's not saying, let people be irresponsible. But what he's trying to say is, don't get that attitude that you have been conned so many times that you harden your heart. To help people, because people of the world, they have hardened their heart. But people listen to Jesus are to realize when they look at folks, how would I want to be treated? That's how I ought to treat them. And then Jesus gives a quick summary of the results of such behavior. Look at verse 35. He says, love your enemies. See, he's already said that. Do good to them lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Now, here's what I want you to see. Then your. Look what he says. And if you got a Bible, you ought to circle the next three words. Then your reward from heaven. That's so important. We know all things work together for our good. Jesus is saying, listen, if you will take what I'm telling you and put it into your life, I want you to know there's a reward coming right out of God's hands into your life. You say, I don't think I can ever have a happy marriage. God's got the reward of that. You see, I don't know if my family could ever get back together because of the wrong that's been done by some of the people in our family. God's got a reward right out of heaven for that family. But you got to put his words in there. See, he says, then your reward from heaven will be very great. In other words, God knows what you do. See, God knows if you hold on and live like the world, and you only do good to those who do good, you only love those who love. See, God knows when you're living Jesus' world Word in a world that's corrupted by sin and isn't so great, and he says, "Listen, man, your reward from heaven." See, most of us we, we, we can't even sing these songs with Matt because we say, "This isn't true. This isn't true for me." And I call Jesus Christ Lord, but my marriage isn't any better. But what do you do? What do you do, lady, to your husband? So he's just acting like his dad did. Or what do you do to your wife, guy? She's acting just like her mom. They weren't taught any different. And Jesus says, you, you love them, even when you think they're your enemy. We can't go on like this. No, you shouldn't go on like that. You change. Yeah, but I want them to change. That's God's business. You're not the Holy Spirit of God. You're not the person that's changing people. You just become an example of God's changing you. See, that's what Jesus is trying to tell. God knows what you and I do. And some of us can't even feel any reward in our lives. We can't feel his closeness. We can't feel his blessing. We can't feel his leading. Because you see, we're always doing it our way. We despise his words. I don't want to hear what Jesus has to say. Now he goes on. He says, we'll be very great, and you will, look what he says, you will truly, Jesus saying, man, you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. In other words, God knows those who do what Jesus says are his children. Who is it? I mean, you're 70 years old, and you've got to forgive somebody. Who is it? And you keep saying, I don't need to. Okay, you call good, bad. God says it's good to forgive. And you say, no, I'm not going to forgive them. You know what they did to me? doesn't make any difference. No, I don't know what they did to you. Or maybe I do. I just know, are you a child of God? Then you are to do these things. You see, God knows. God knows. And look, it goes on in verse 35. After he says, children of the Most High, he says, For he, that's God, is kind to those who are unthankful uh, unthankful and wicked. In other words, God always keeps trying to reach those people who are unthankful and wicked. They aren't good people. So he says, you must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. In other words, God doesn't give up on people. Don't you give up on people. God doesn't give up on people because they don't do it right. Don't you give up on people because they don't do it right. See, we'll, we'll, work, we'll work with small children on that, and we'll love them, we won't give up. But when they get older, some of us, we just give up. And when we marry them, we just give up. And when we work with them, we just give up on them. They'll never change. God says, be compassionate toward people. See, Treat people as you want to be treated. That's what He's saying. And then He gives us number eight. Look on your message map. He says, leave judgment to God. Leave judgment to God. Look at verse 37. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or, and I'd underline these next few words, it will all come back against you. Oh man, remember that. See, he says, says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or it will all come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. In other words, all he's trying to say is this. You will be judged. You will be judged how you judge other people. That's what he's saying. If you are critical, then you're going to be judged by critics. People are going to be critical toward you. If you are not compassion, then you won't receive compassion. You're going to be judged by the way you judge. If you forgive, you will receive forgiveness. If you show compassion, you will receive compassion. That's what he's telling us. Refuse to forgive and you will not receive forgiveness. You won't even understand God's forgiveness for your life. I have said again and again, from this platform and to people in particular, you can always tell folks who understand God's forgiveness, they are willing to forgive mates or ex-mates, parents or children, neighbors, people they work with. They're willing to forgive because they realize how much God has forgiven them forgiven people listen to Jesus and they forgive. See? Who is it that needs you to forgive them and not judge them? Who is it? Already God's putting that person's name in your mind. Then he gives us number nine. Look on your message map. Number nine. Look for opportunities to give. He's already said we should be We should give willingly. Now he says, look for opportunities to give. Because he says in verse 38, give and you will receive. Verse 38. Let's put it on the screen. Verse 38. Come on. He says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you. Look what he says. In full. Now here's the problem. Somebody says, but I don't have anything to give. If we're talking about material things, somebody says, I don't have that much. Do you have a phone? Do you go buy things? Did you drive to worship? See, that just tells me you have stuff to give if you're talking about material things. And you need to to pay attention. And God will give you opportunity to give from your material. Whether that's cash or that's things. See, you have things. Be careful. Satan's going to tell you, no, you don't. God says, give. Give. He's not even qualifying it. If you make twenty-five dollars or $30,000 or more a year, you give. He's just telling us, look for opportunities to give. But He's not just talking about material things. You see, if God has forgiven you, receive that forgiveness. Be joyful. But then what? Give forgiveness. Are you understanding that? If God has given you people to love you even when you do wrong, and we know connection is that kind of a church body, oh, does that mean there are some people in here that aren't that way? Sure. You know, there are some people in here they probably say you drugs. There's some people in here they try to get you to do bad things. Good. We want those kinds of people to keep coming. And this is where we want folks who's got conflict with life. Okay? But you see, when God gives you a group of people, who love you, even when you do wrong. And guess what? Receive that love, but be willing to give that love to others who do wrong. You see, as a church, we tend to get so caught up that we say, unless those people change, we can't let them feel our love. And we need to let that love go forth. We need to give it. Jesus is trying to get us to understand. We who have received something, whether it's material or whether it's in material, Whatever we received, we need to be willing to give from that. If you're around Laura and I, my wife over here, Laura and I, when we pray, we thank God constantly for the things He gives us. My children have heard this and hear it now even. My grandchildren are growing up with that kind of prayer experience. We're thanking God. We're thanking God. We thank God for our house. And then you know what? Because He's given us our house, we try to open our house up for the joys of others. We thank God for our food. And you know what? My grandchildren has told us that. We give food. We try to always feed people. Not because they're needy, but because God's given to us. See, God has given us physical health. And so Laura and I, uh, we know we're not as... Healthy as we used to be, but we try to give from our health for others. I'm not trying to impact, I mean, make you think we're good guys. I'm just trying to say this. We thank God for what He gives us, and we look for opportunities to give from what He gives us. We thank God for the time we have together. And so we try to take our time, and we make ourselves available for others. We don't say, God, thank you for my house, and then nobody ever gets to be in my house. We don't say, God, thank you for my food, and then we eat all our food, and we never share it. We never say, God, thank you for our health, and then we're taking our health and going and doing things that, man, aren't we glad we're healthy, we can do this? No, we want to give ourselves to others, and we don't say, thank you, God, for our time. Most people are saying, I don't have enough time. We're saying, God, thank you for our time, and we look when people need us, our time, we give it. And you, some of you know this well enough. You know I'm not making this up. And I'm not doing it to make some kind of boast. I'm saying that's what Jesus is trying to say. Look for that opportunity to give. Now look what he says. Look again at 38. Give and you will receive. That's a promise. That's a promise. You want your house to be better. You give your house. Somebody says, what do you mean Better. You just give and you'll see. You want your life to be better? You give your life away. You keep stealing your life from what God wants you to do with it. Your life's going to just crush in on you. See, this is a promise. He says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Now look, he describes it. Press down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. Now let's see if I can explain that to you, okay? I love potato chips. And I love Lay's potato chips. And I love Lay's plain potato chips. And I tell you, I can eat a whole bag of Lay's potato chips, but I don't anymore. My mom used to buy crane potato chips. I don't know if you used to get them in Mount Vernon. We used to get them in Decatur when I was a kid. You always got baseball buttons and you, you saved up all the major league baseball teams and you turn them into the crane company in Decatur and you get a free baseball. And boy, I, I ate crane potato chips. You open, it would always pack two bags and you open them up and I'd eat the whole bag. And whenever I became a teenager, I'd go out on a date and then I'd come home after that date and I'd like to open a can of pork and beans and a bag of crane potato chips and put pork and beans on the chips. I oh mean, I could look like to do that right now in front of you. That was so good. But you know, you open a Lay's potato chip bag, and what do you, I mean, the bag's all full, and you open it, and you say, like, Where's the chips? <laughs> right? Am I making. They're, 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 they're. Now, listen, okay, you understand that. Man, I want them to fill those bags up so when I open, they're falling all over my chest and all over my lap. Then I say, Man, Lay's really gives you potato chips. Do you get the picture? Okay, here's what he's trying to say they would go for grain, they'd take whatever container they got to get the grain, okay? And they would ask the people, they get the grain, okay, before they get the money. Now listen, they take their container and they begin shaking it, <laughs> okay. Why are they shaking it? They want it to settle. You understand? So more grain can be in there. And then they might take their hand and push it down. Why they push? Why they pressing it down so they can get more in there? I mean, they're saying, put more grain. The guy said, I filled it. No, you didn't. Look at, it. you got that much more. The guy puts more grain in there. Now, give me the money. No, I want you to fill this bag. It's full. No. And then they press it down. And you got that much more. And you say, put it in there. And he says, you got no? no, no, that'll be running over. We ought to be sure. You can pick up what runs over. This is what God is saying. Now, listen to me. God is saying, if you take advantage of the opportunities to give, don't tell me you need $100. You got $10 you can share. it. Don't tell me you got to live in my house. You got your house to share. Don't tell you. Laura and I thank God for our cars. And listen, I let people have my cars to use them. Don't tell me you've got to have something to give. you already got something. And God says, if you'll give it, I'm going to tell you what I'll do. I'll take your life and I'll give in return to you full as if it was shaken down, pressed down, and running over into your laps. It's like you open up legs, Lay's potato chips and you hit the jackpot. They just pop out all over the room. That's what God says he'll do. Folks, that's a promise. Do you understand that? Listen, I don't care whether you're 16 or whether you're 60. I don't care whether you say, but my parents didn't teach me. God's teaching you. I don't care if you say, but I don't have education. I don't have training. Listen, this has nothing to do with education training. This is all about living by the words of Jesus. Do you understand why I know you're here for a purpose? Man, this is what he's promising us. He goes, over. he goes on. He says, "Poured into your lap." Verse thirty-eight goes on. The amount you give will—you might want to circle that next word if you're reading out the New Living. I don't know for sure how the NIV or King, will determine. Such an important word: determine. The amount you get back. Some of you, your budget's all about you, and your budget's always tight. Some of you, your romance is all about you. And you're always having to find something new in romance or go look at pictures to find any kind of fulfillment. See, it's all about you. God says, I'm telling you what, the amount you give will determine the amount you give back. Some of you ladies, don't be so hard on your husbands. Be compassionate. Be kind. You might be surprised, in five or ten years, how your husband will treat you like no other husband treats his wife with compassion and kindness. You say, but I want it now! That's the world! God says you just do it because Jesus' words say to do it. Now number ten, look on your message map. Be the leader you are supposed to be. This is to every one of us. You're going to say, but I'm not a leader. Listen, Jesus is speaking to a multitude of people, thousands of people most likely. Be the leader. These are my words. Be the leader you're supposed to be. Where did I get that from? Look at the next verse, 39. Then Jesus gave the following illustration. And look what he says. Can one blind person lead another? Well, see, somebody wants to say no, but yes, a blind person can lead another. But if one blind person is leading another blind person, now forget they've been trained and they got sticks and all that. Okay, they've count the distance or they got, they got a, a seen eye animal. I'm not trying to put that down. I'm just saying, can one blind person lead another? The answer is yes, but it's probably not going to come out very well in time. Are you following with me? That's what he's trying to get across. Now look, he goes on. He says, can one blind person lead another? The answer is yes, but it's not going to end well. He says, won't they both fall into a ditch? Now listen to me. Following a person, following a person who will not look at God clearly will always lead you into trouble. And you'll fall into the ditch. Both of you will. And you'll say, why did this happen to me? And it's because you got caught up with people who are blind to what God would want. When God would say something's good, they say it's bad. When God says something's bad, they say it's good. And then you wonder why that happens. See, Jesus is trying to say, listen, be careful. Be careful. You be the kind of leader you're supposed to be. Don't get caught up following other people who don't see God. Don't see what God wants. He goes on in verse 40. He says, students are not greater than their teachers, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. In other words, learn to do what the teacher is teaching you, and you can become a teacher. If you don't learn to do it, all you can do is be a person who tells others. And I know we say, teachers tell, I know that. But we like the teachers who get us involved. And he's saying, if you learn to do what the teacher does, you'll be able to show people how to do it. If you never learn to do it, all you can do is talk about it. Listen, some of us are following blind people, and life is so uncertain, we're wondering what's going to happen to us because we chose to follow someone that wasn't concerned what God wanted. They somehow got us caught up, or we somehow got them caught up, and we both fell in, or all of us, however many might be, fell in a ditch, and now we're in some trouble. And boy, it's so uncertain up here and what's going to happen. And what we've got to do, we've got to hear what our teacher Jesus is telling us and learn to do what He's saying. And you know what He's saying? Just go back and look at the, the ones just before this. He's saying, you're the one who's to become the leader to show this kind of life. You know in a marriage who ought to be exhibiting this kind of life? Not your mate. You. You. You know in a family who ought to be exhibiting this kind of life? Not your parents or your kids, you. You know at work who ought to be exhibiting this kind of life? Not those people you work with or your supervisor or your boss, but you. You know when you're out playing or running around, you know who ought to exhibit this kind of life? Not those other people you play with or run around with, but you. You become the leader you're supposed to be. You be the one who does, who has learned to do what the teacher Jesus has taught you. That's what He's trying to bring out. See, there's a big difference just to tell people and to do. If there's anything, I'm so fortunate. I married a woman that is not a pastor's wife. She is a person who does what Jesus says. See, you are to do. Not just tell people. That's why some of you, you've tried being a Bible study leader. And you get tired of it. Because you see, you've got to realize, it's not just a matter, do you know how to say it all correctly? It's just a matter let your life become an example for people. To see how Jesus wants them to live. Now he goes on number 11. The last one. Look on your message map. I've already covered the last part of this chapter, okay? Did that last week. But number 11. He says, don't play the part of the hypocrite. Wow, a lot of people say, I can't go to church, church loaded with hypocrites. Okay, I'm going to say in a little bit, we're all hypocrites sometimes. But he's saying, don't play the part of a hypocrite. Now, that's my statement. Look what he says in 41. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own eye? How can you think of saying, friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eyes and when you can't see past the log in your own eyes? hypocrite. Look what he says. First get rid of the log in your own eye and then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Now let me reread this, 41. And why worry about a speck in your child's eye when you have a log in your own eye? Why worry about a speck in your parent's eye when you have a log in your own eye? Why worry about a speck in your ex-mate's eye when you have a log in your own eye? Why worry about a speck in that person's eye that touched you inappropriately when you got a log in your own eye? Hypocrite! You want to know what Jesus' definition of hypocrite is? It's verse 41 through what I just read. That's what he says. A hypocrite is a person who refuses to see their big problem. And it's big to them because it impacts their life. They instead look at the little problem in somebody else's life. It becomes little because it's in their life. See, be careful of trying to size them up. The hypocrite is the person that is critical of other people with problems, but never see their own problem. Man, Laura, why don't you become a better wife for God than I could be a happy husband? That's a hypocrite. Why don't you learn? Why don't you learn to stop saying I'm sorry and change your ways? That's a hypocrite. You know, if you just work on it better, we could have a happier marriage. That's a hypocrite. Do you catch what I'm trying to tell you? Jesus describes a hypocrite. And he says the hypocrite is the person, you know, if they would teach like I teach, it'd be better. Hypocrite! If they'd pray like I'd pray, it'd be better. They don't know how to pray like... Hypocrite! Hypocrite! Now, I want to ask you something. Stop and evaluate churches you've been in. And I'm not trying to condescend on churches. I'm just telling you, I don't want us to be that church. See, we play the hypocrite. And he's saying, don't do that. Let me say this. At some point in all our lives, we are blind guides and we are hypocrites. You see, because we're sinful humans. At some point in our lives, I will refuse to do what God wants. And I'm a blind guide at that point. Let's hope it don't last long. Let's hope I got some of you that will encourage me. Let's hope whenever I open my Bible, I read something in the Spirit of God speaks to me. But all of us at some points are blind guides and hypocrites. But it means that we don't get caught up in that. At some point in time, we all are looking at others' shortcomings and glossing over our own shortcomings. At some point in life, we're looking at everybody else's sin and we're not looking at our own sin. But let's not get caught up in that. Now, how does he conclude this? Now, here's the conclusion. I'm going to tell you what my words are and then I'm going to show you Jesus' words. This is his conclusion to everything he's saying about choosing how you're going to live. And I'm going to tell you, you live these things, they'll revolutionize your life. You live these things, in years, maybe sooner, they'll change your family. They'll change your workplace. They'll change your friends. You live these words, okay? But here's what he's saying. Be careful, be careful who you choose to be your friends He's saying, be careful. Be careful what church you choose to attend. That's what he's saying. He's saying, be careful who you choose to marry. That's what he's saying. He's saying, be careful what you choose to watch, what you choose to listen to, what you choose to read. Be careful. Now, catch the context in all this. Blind guide's going to make you fall in ditches. He's saying, be careful. Be careful what blogs, what tweets, what Facebooking you do. You see, see if you run with friends or you marry somebody, okay, you choose to marry somebody, you run with friends that are blind guides you, you ch- and hypocrites, you choose to marry somebody that's a blind guide and hypocrites, you, 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 you choose a church full of blind guides and hypocrites, you get involved in reading and listening and looking at things that are blind guides and hypocrites... You, you, you start Facebooking with people who are blind guys and hypocrites, and I'm going to tell you what, you're going to fall in a ditch. You're going to end up doing something that's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt you. And then you're going to say, where were you, God? And God's going to say, Let's get, Sunday morning, August the 5th, I was talking to you. Now you're saying, boy, Mike, I think you just took over the sermon and left God out. Let's bring Jesus back in this. Look with me at verse 43. He says, you need to watch the behavior of others. That's why I say you've got to be careful of the friends you choose. I'm not telling you don't hang out with people who need your help. You've got to be careful of the friends you choose. You've got to be careful of the ex-mates you choose. I mean ex mate the mate you choose. You've got to be careful of the church you choose. You've got to be careful what you watch, listen, or read. You've got to be careful what technology you're getting involved in. Because you see, those are the areas I think that just sums up most of our lives. Now, why do I say, it? look what he says. 43. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. This is his conclusion after talking about blind guides and hypocrites. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. Now, now please. He's not talking about perfection. See, somebody who wants to say, nobody can live by Jesus' words, man. You gotta be perfect. He's not talking about perfect. Okay? He's not talking about perfect trees. Look. An apple tree, it might bear a bad apple. But you know what? Most of the time, they're good apples. you understand what I'm saying? Because don't, don't try to discount His word because you are saying nobody can be perfect. He's just trying to say, look, you can see good trees. And you can see them because you know good fruit come from them. And so He says this, a tree is identified by its fruit. In other words, here he, he said all this about what ought to be in our lives. And then he closes by saying, don't get caught up following somebody that doesn't pay attention to this. And don't get caught up with people who are hypocrites. They never, they're never looking at themselves, trying to get things right in themselves. They're always, you know, you hear them complain about their mom, their dad, their children, the people they work with. So he's saying, Look, be careful. Be careful who you choose your friends. You, you just look at them. You can tell who they are by what's coming out of them. Be careful the person you're going to choose to say, I do to. You know what's coming out of them. You can look, they're like trees. Be careful of those things you get caught up with. In other words, look at how the behavior is. You can identify something by what comes from it. You ever been in a room where somebody passed gas? And it's only you and the other person in the room? Somebody knows who passed the gas. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Don't say five years later, what happened? And if you're behind a blind guide, by all means, try to help them, but don't be following them anymore. Whatever that blind guide is, somebody who says they're your friend, somebody who says they love you, somebody who says they want to marry you, somebody who says, come to my church, somebody who says, hey, you ought to read this, you ought to look at this, somebody who says, hey, why don't we Facebook? And boy, you read their Facebook and you know, that's garbage. Deface them, or whatever you do. <laughs> and you say, "But I don't know." Yeah, two people in a room. Somebody passed gas. Everybody knows in that room. Okay, don't mean to be crass. Just trying to get it across. Look what he says: Forty-four. Figs never grow on thorn bushes, nor grapes on bramble bushes. In other words, he's saying, "Listen, you're not going to find good fruit on bad bushes." People must change if there's going to be good fruit. That's true for you and I. And that's for the people we choose to become very intimate with, spend our time with, give ourselves to. People who don't care about Jesus, look at if you care about Jesus, just read those statements again. You've got them there, listen to your message map. That is all about trying to reach out to people and let them feel the love of God people who don't care about those statements, it's all about themselves. Why'd this happen to me? It's all about themselves. He says in 45, a good person produces good things, look what he says, from the treasury of a good heart. That's a right way of thinking. Heart, heart is not, in both Old Testament and New Testament, heart is not the blood pumping chamber. The heart is that which you... Make your decisions with your willpower. That's a simple definition, but that's the heart. So all he's saying is there. A good person produces good things from the treasury of their good heart. Right way of thinking. That's God's way of thinking. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. The wrong way of thinking. So what you say flows from what is in your heart. In other words, how you think. So you say, no, I'm going to hang out with these people. Listen, what's in your mind is I don't have to listen to God. They're not good. It's evident. I can look at them like I can look at a tree. It's not that they don't make mistakes. Don't get me wrong. We all make mistakes. I preferenced all this by saying we're all blind guides sometimes and we're all hypocrites sometimes. So I'm not talking about perfection. But you can look at a person and you can see it's not that they have a bad apple every so often. It is that they are a bad apple tree. They don't get any good apples very often. And so he's telling us what you say flow from what's in your heart. It's all about what's inside of a person. The person you're going to choose to be your close friends. The person you're going to choose to be your mate someday. The person you're going to choose to call your church family. The person you're going to choose to follow and what you read or what you look at or how you Facebook or what you tweet to. You evaluate who you're talking to. You know what's inside always comes out. And so I'm going to ask you this. What's in your heart? Has Jesus, is, has Jesus changed your way of thinking? And if he hasn't changed it yet, is that what he's trying to do today? Is he trying to get you to make some decisions of choosing? And you're saying, I want to do it. Then just take, just take this sermon right here and these 11 things and you let this be your devotion for the next month. You read it every day and you start looking how to practice it. Do one The first day you start, do two the second day. And within 30 days, you basically will get to do all of them almost three times. Let Jesus change your heart. You see, the world knows nothing of this value. That's the problem. We're going to leave this worship experience. God's Spirit. Man, when Matt was praying, I thought, Man, Matt, you were with me when I prayed. You're getting these people ready. You're getting him ready for this message. Oh, God, may your spirit. And he got. did you hear him pray? He got sort of excited when he was doing it. The expectancy. These words that we have looked at, forget my words. Just look at Jesus' words. These words are not the way the world thinks. And I want you to know, listen, these people who are listening to him have traveled long distances. They have spent days to get there and they are hearing a king speak words that they have never heard in their lifetime. Are you following me? And for some of you, you're hearing words that they are exactly the words you need to hear right now. The king is speaking to you. And the king is speaking to people who are citizens of God's kingdom. Let God create this new heart in you. And it's not about a lot of effort. It's just about living Jesus' words. Letting what he said come true when the situation comes that you don't want to do it. And your actions will demonstrate that you're living and loving like Jesus. Are there any questions? Let's look at one. For you who are not so familiar, we allow people to text questions. I'll just handle one this morning. The others I'll handle through the email. Somebody wrote in this morning during this sermon, how do, for, how do you forgive someone who doesn't think they did you wrong and they continue to do you wrong, but it's someone you have to be around? Listen, Jesus already said it. The world would say, I'm not going to forgive them. They don't deserve it. And Jesus said, So what credit does the world get in God's eyes? So how do you forgive? You just do. You just do. You just do. If if you need to talk more about that in that relationship, let's get together, drink a soda, just between you and I, and we'll talk about maybe some things you do. But you just forgive. You don't hold on to it. You don't hold on to it. It's making you bitter. It's making you ugly. It makes you look forward to not being around not only that person, but when that person is around other people, you ought to be around. You need to forgive. You need to forgive. You do. Let's bow together and then we're done. Father, thank You for this time. And thank You for Jesus. Oh, wow, God. Thank You that that we're not blind. That we don't live as some religions would teach with no insight. But that God, You give us insight. You let us see in a human form how You want us to live. And God, help us. Help us to live these words. This week. No, God. Help us to live these words Today, especially. The words that our Lord has given to us. In the name of Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen.